0: Welcome to Gun Show, from flintlock to full auto and everything in between. That is Michael Helms. He is a firearms historian. And my name is Jason Dias. I'm a U.S. Army and combat veteran. Welcome to a gun show without the politics and unnecessary bravado. That is right. Welcome in. Hey, Michael, it's that time of year I remember, do you remember being a kid and your parents would have you write a letter to Santa Claus? I always loved that, even when I knew that I was playing along for my younger siblings. I'm sure you remember those days.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, flipping through the catalogs. and. Sure, Sears
0: Catalog. That's right. We'll have to give the millennials a chance to Google Sears Catalog. <laughs> we won't know what that means. But anyway, uh, this is our second episode, and we thought since Christmas is right around the corner, as we're recording this on the 22nd of December, that I wanted to ask you, hey, if you could write Santa a letter and he would deliver them for you, what would you want to find under the Christmas tree on Christmas morning, your dream guns?
1: Ah, so I, you know, I could narrow this list down to, I think three and I'm going to go with that. And then I think I would just leave it to Santa, which one, which one he wants to bring. I think the first one would be a a gun that probably most people haven't heard of. It's made by a Czech company called Lago and it's called the alien. have Have you ever heard of that
0: Jason? I have not ever heard of it.
1: Yeah. It's, um, it's a bit of a boutique manufacturer, um, and the logo is just, uh, or the, the alien is just a really, really neat gun. It, it looks very much like a conventional pistol, uh, like a semi-auto pistol, which it is. Um, but it's got, it, it's got some pretty neat differences. Um, one is that the top of the slide actually stays stationary. So the, the, the slide, the, the part of the slide that cycles back is just the side of it. And the idea is that you can have, you know, your sights or your optics on top, but they don't move with the slide. It's got a very low bore axis. It's, you know, it, it's kind of a. I always imagine that, like, if, you know, to have like a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or something like that. Like, you know, you're not you're not buying it for rational purposes. Of course, <laughs> you know, you're, yes. You're, yeah, you're you're not going to look at it and think about, you know, um, you know, where would I put the groceries and the luggage in this? Um, you know, you're mm-hmm. buying it just because it's cool and sexy and. I, I think the alien sort of falls into that category. I don't, I don't know that this is ever a gun that I would rationalize as, you know, this is going to be the perfect carry gun or whatever. Maybe it right. is. I don't know. But but it's kind of a boutique thing, but it's just really cool. And I, I sort of had the sense that the guy who invented it, um, it is just one of these sort of like brilliant people who got this idea in his head and he just like had to go make it. And it, it's not really like anything else on the market, But I but I really respect it for that. So I think... I think the first thing on my list, the standard, would be an Alien from from Lago, which is this uh, this Czech company. I think the second thing on my list would be just a, a good old-fashioned Beretta Silver Pigeon side-by-side shotgun or over-and-under shotgun. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I kind of resolved it in 2023. I'm going to get back into clay shooting, and you know, I, I have a semi-auto shotgun. I love it. It's great, and it works perfectly. But I think I think there's just something really classic about an over under and having those you know having those two heavy barrels there. So I think second on my list would be a like I say a silver pigeon. And I think the third thing on my list I've also really wanted to get into long range shooting. It's actually something I've never done before, and I, I did a little bit of research on this um, earlier in the year when I was thinking about dipping my toes in these waters and uh there there's a company in Canada called Kdex that um, makes really high end rifles and I think um, one of the one of the kdx uh, precision rifles would be would be on my list and I think from there, I would probably just leave it to Santa which one he uh, he wants to bring. i don 't know that i 've been good enough to get all three so I think um,
0: you know I think you would probably just keep it to one that 's a very interesting list now. I will tell you something despite my a rather decent and extensive military and shooting pedigree, I will tell you something that you might find surprising. In my 55 years on this big blue marble, I have never fired a shotgun. Really? I know. It's, it doesn't seem possible, does it? I have never fired a wow. shotgun. No, I, d- I don't know why. I just – the opportunity – has never presented itself to me. Although when you talked about distance shooting, I can tell you that when I was stationed at Fort Ward, California, I did go down on what was called, I think it was called advanced marksmanship and parabolics. We were, we were actually training to take out drug lords in Central and South America, and we would use the, the Hearst mansion, the Hearst castle near Fort Hunter Liggett as an objective. Now, of course, we couldn't shoot at the Hearst Castle, but for navigational purposes and <laughs> line of sight and that kind of thing. But I, I did do some training with distance shooting using a, a modified, uh, I think it was a modified M14 or an M1. I don't remember. It was, it was just something I did for about a week, and I never applied that. In a tactical situation, so because of the, the weapon that I did carry into a live fire tactical situation in honor about the 1st of February in 1991 during Operation Desert Storm and a very little known Battle of Kafchi. everyone sort of Black Hawk Down, but a year before Black Hawk Down, it was a much larger, I call it the last great urban battle of the 20th century in terms of troops engaged it was much much larger and much much costlier than black hawk down but it happened in between the air war and the ground war and it's been a bit of a footnote in desert storm but the the weapon i carried into battle that day is the weapon i would love to find under the christmas tree and we don't call them guns in the army we call them weapons but it would be the standard colt arms M16, and I'm gonna tell you why, Michael, because I don't know that there's ever been a weapon created so uniquely perfect for the situation that I found myself in when I had to discharge it. We had done something at the infantry and ranger school down at Fort Benning called a door and window drill at something called the MOUT site, M-O-U-T, stands for Military Operations Urban Terrain, and we trained all the time in that environment, and you were trained to aim at windows and doors, not at people that are coming out of them or heading back towards them and caught about a a squad-sized element of Iraqi soldiers retreating to a door probably about 250 meters out, and I was in an elevated position. And for whatever reason, since basic training, by 1991, the M16A1 was a comparatively older Weapon. It had been replaced by the heavier M16A2, and the M16A2 had a slightly longer stock. It was not an adjustable stock like you see today. But for whatever reason, the length of my arms, the length of the M16A1, when I placed the brim of my Kevlar helmet on the handle, which, uh, trivia fans, you never actually carry the M16 by the handle. It guards the rear sight aperture. For whatever reason, I, when I rested my Kevlar brim on that handle, Michael, I felt like somebody had locked it into my body. It just felt wow. right. It just felt like this, you, didn't, you know, at 250 meters, we had no optics in those days. And in five years in the Army, I had never fired the M16 on full auto. And the M16A1, of course, had the semi and the full auto option and i always do it i just did it with my thumb and i remember clicking it twice to to full auto and again training three to five round burst three to five round burst three to five round burst and uh, i only had four magazines and i I realized right away there was a reason that they took the full auto feature off the standard infantry weapon because you go through 30 rounds very very quickly, but it was just the perfect weapon for that situation. And I know nowadays, Michael, it has kind of a a tragic history because we hear about what people refer to incorrectly as an assault rifle, the armor light style rifle, and all these terrible active shooter situations. But held in the hands of a well-trained light infantry soldier, it was simply the most perfect weapon for that particular situation, and many others, and the accuracy, the absence of recoil, it just was absolutely perfectly suited for that tactical situation, and if I could have anything under the Christmas tree, and I won't because it would be a federal offense, uh, that's what I would love. To find the very one I had that day when I rode into the city of Kafchi and had my few seconds of, of combat time in a city that I, I didn't know where I was. I didn't even know I was in the city of Kafchi. I had to hear about it on CNN a couple of days later. But that is the weapon that I would love to have again. It was. I mean, I know you shouldn't say a, a weapon made to eliminate other human beings is beautiful but I don't know another word when I think about a great white shark when you look at a great white shark it's just there to eat things that's what it's designed yeah. to do and that's how I felt about the M16 A1 it was designed for one purpose and I know people argue about the stopping power of 556 five, and I witnessed some of that that day but it was just just a beautiful wonderful weapon. And the most important thing is when I pull the trigger it works. And that's what you want in that situation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So your your A two, that was that was a three round burst, right? Or was that full auto?
0: They did have they did have the three round burst on the M sixteen A two, which I don't even know how they engineered that. I never liked the M sixteen A two. It was a little heavier when I was in the Army, I was my nickname in basic training was the Karate Kid because I was so slight. I was very lean. And so any change in weight, I noticed right away when I got the M16A2 that I was not shooting the same tight shot groups at the 200-meter and 250-meter and 300-meter targets like I had with the M16A1. And so when I got the opportunity to select the weapon I wanted, on that security detail with the Saudi National Guard officers, which is how I ended up in the battle of Kafji, I when I saw that they had an old M sixteen A1, I jumped at the chance to, to to use it. Sure, and that was and that was a full select fire. That was a full automatic. Yep, that was that that yep. one had full auto. And you know, as I mentioned, the, the the training we got was to say three to five round burst when you fire on full auto. And and then if you say that, you fire a three- to five-round burst. But what's kind of funny is there was a band in those days called the Pet Shop Boys, and they had yeah. a song, and part of the refrain was, what have I, what have I, what have I done to deserve this? And that's what I was saying. That's what I would do. Instead of saying three-round burst, I would say, what have I, what have I, what have I done to deserve this? And I can remember <laughs> kind of humming that in my head while all of this, is going on and it's just one of the funny things because it's the perfect thing to be saying in this situation i was a reservist when i was called back into the active duty army for desert storm and it was not lost on me that six weeks before this particular situation i was selling shoes at windsor park mall in San Antonio, texas and so it was a perfect thing to be saying to myself what have i what have i what have i done to deserve this <laughs>
1: I love that. Now, you know, I mean, technically, you can, you can find.
0: Um, yes. I know you
1: can.
0: Yes, a ones yeah. out there, yeah, they're they're yeah, expensive. Yeah. I, I I looked at, when we were when I was preparing for this when I was preparing for this show. I, I did some research on that, and yes, you actually can. So I guess I should amend my remarks. It's not that it would be a felony. It's just way out of my price range for this. Christmas. Yeah. It's Christmas time. If I ever win the lottery or something like that, I would. That would be one of the first things that I looked into. And just as an aside, I know this might surprise people. The way I could tell, the fact that I've never fired a shotgun surprised you. I don't own a lot of guns. I own a. I own a handgun for my everyday carry, and I own a, uh, a 20-inch 30-30 lever action. Uh, 20-inch barrel carbine, and that's it. I'm not a big collector of guns. I love studying the history of guns, as you know, but I'm I'm not somebody with a a safe full of really sexy weapons, pistols, and shotguns.
1: Well, you know that old saying, beware the man that owns one gun. He knows how to use it. So
0: (laughs) that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. Well, Michael, we'll put some pictures. I think everyone knows what an M16A1 looks like, but I definitely would – Post some pictures of your three dream guns, and um, I hope you get them I really do
1: me too and i hope uh, I hope eventually <laughs> your uh, your a1 arrives with a tax stamp
0: <laughs> yes with a with a tax stamp Yes, that would be a lot of fun of course that's only part of the problem. The rest of the problem would be affording the five five six ammunition or finding it uh, to shoot it yeah. and as i mentioned i I had never fired it on full auto before and I, I don't think I ever fired full auto ever again. In fact, those were the only shots I ever fired in anger. And it was, it was very, very brief. It was very, very intense, but it was very, very brief. But the I just remember heading back to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and just thinking, wow, it really works. <laughs> you know, everything they told us is true. It really, really works. And it's just a, it's a, unfortunate that a lot of people have forgotten about Desert Storm in 1991, and the thing I always like to mention when I talk about this, because a lot of people don't remember it, is two things that I think are very important. It was the last war America definitively won with the parades and everything else, but more importantly, it reestablished the respect between the American public and the American military, which continues to this very day, and I'm probably more proud of that fact than any other.
1: You know, that's a really interesting and good point because I guess – I mean, there were other conflicts in the 80s, but I guess the last big one before that was Vietnam, and that was complicated.
0: And that it left kind of a bad taste in people's mouths, and I can assure you when I joined the Army in 1986, it was seen as a thing to be pitied. Oh, poor Jason. I right. guess he's not smart enough to go to college or, you know, he's, he's peeling spuds all day, and that's not at all – I happened to be sent to a very, very important high-profile light infantry unit at Fort Ord, California. Our area of operation was the last hot spot of the Cold War, which was in Central America, and it kind of overlapped with the war on drugs. And my company commander in Alpha Company, 4th Battalion, 21st Infantry, is actually still in the Army. He is a four-star general now, Uh, four-star general Stephen Townsend, Stephen P.H. Townsend. And he was my company commander, and I always tell that story because he is a four-star general. And at Fort Benning, we had a shooting competition to see who could hit the 300-meter target the most out of 10 rounds. And I hit it eight times, and he hit it seven. So I can say that I outshot a four-star general. (laughs) That's awesome. <laughs> his uh, his retirement's going to look a lot better than mine, but I did outshoot him on that day at Fort Benning in December of 1986.
1: <laughs> well, you can go to his retirement and remind him of that.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm sure he would love to hear that. My guess is he would love his 40-year it. Yeah. career, he's not going to remember an E2 from Fort Benning yeah. way back in the day. Well, Michael, I want to wish you and yours the blessings of the holiday and Christmas season. May they accrue to you and yours now and always. And I, like I said, I hope Santa brings you something great that is gun-related this Christmas, and that goes for everybody that might be listening. Michael and I want to thank you so much for listening to Gun Show, from Flintlock to Full Auto and everything in between. Merry Christmas, everybody. We will see you in 2023.